It's Wednesday, September 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Jason Moser. Good to see you, my friend. Yes, sir. Good to see you too. How's everything? Going all right. We've got we've got more earnings, which yeah. always makes me happy that we have earnings <laughs> yeah. to talk about. Uh, we've got a couple of different versions of retail. We're going to start though with Slack. Uh, shares of Slack are down 15% at the moment. Despite the fact that second quarter revenue came in higher than expected, um, I want to get to a comparison that is happening in the financial media with Slack. I want to get to that in a minute. But first, what did you think of Slack's results, their guidance, and when you look at the 15% drop, do you think, yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be, I'll be interested to um, to hear this comparison because I don't think I've I've seen the and I this reminds me of something too. I have a little comparison of my own, so I'll, I'll be interested to see if they if they match up here. But to me, you know, when I watching Slack as a publicly traded company, this is starting to me. It's starting to feel a little bit like a Twitter story unfolding here, one where. Felt like or feel like maybe there's a future that that could be so much brighter than it is, and it's ultimately just kind of resulting in mediocrity. And I mean, I know. Listen, Slack has been a publicly traded company for a very short period of time. I, I get that, and maybe I'm wrong here, but but I, I will say, um, I mean, as as a user of Slack, I mean, I'm not all that big of a fan. It's okay, I guess, but uh, they they have some work to do on the user experience side. And and from a business perspective, I do understand the market's concerns there. It wasn't a bad quarter it just it wasn't one that really wowed you and uh, certainly it, it prompts the question of what, what kind of role it does play in our future work lives I mean you look at some of the numbers it, it revenue is slowing down I mean in in a market where there are a lot of these businesses that are sort of dictating this new paradigm for us and and their revenue is accelerating whether that's docusign or teledoc or you know what have you zoom I mean another good example slacks revenue is actually the growth is actually slowing down a little bit now they did see an acceleration in paid customers and that's good that's what matters uh, but net dollar retention rate was down uh, to 125 percent from 136 percent a year ago and management did note that that was due to covid concerns customers downsizing uh, hiring freezes and, and, and slowing down in hiring so I mean you can see how it's being impacted by the the covid 19 economy whereas other businesses uh, like your Zooms of the world are flourishing, Slack, maybe not so much. So, you, you start to wonder exactly how, uh, how important it is in, 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 this, uh, in, in this new workforce. So, I'll just preface this by saying I have no dog in this fight. I don't own shares of Slack. I'm not shorting Slack. I do wonder, though, about the comparison to Zoom. And I've, I've been seeing this this morning in the financial media. And you know, not a lot of people, but some people saying, "Well, look at Zoom's growth. Slack isn't doing that." And I just yeah. uh, that that confuses me a little bit because I look at them and I see, I I understand why you might go to that, but those are two different businesses, and I think in terms of market opportunity, they're pretty different. Uh, Zoom has found a consumer audience that it might never have found were it not for the pandemic. I don't see Slack, or for that matter, Microsoft Teams, having the same exposure to consumers. You know, it's it's easy for me to imagine that at some point a year from now, two years from now, there are people who maintain their 
Zoom accounts, and maybe they even at some point in the future decide, yeah, for some added bells and whistles, I'll pay some nominal fee per year or per month to have this. I don't see that with Slack. So I, I'm, I'm not saying the 15% drop today is irrational and unfair, but the Zoom comparison strikes me as slightly unfair. Um, I, I would agree with that to the extent that I think Zoom is a far more important business. Uh, I, I think Zoom has greater implications in how we do things going forward, um, whether it's work or personal or school. I mean, you see a lot of different avenues that they can pursue. And, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with pursuing video first as opposed to slack really pursuing you know channel communication first that's just the difference in the in the businesses themselves so I mean yeah from that perspective I mean I I, I do think zoom is a more compelling um, business just because of the nature of what it does and, and and I I don't think those comparisons are necessarily I don't think it's an apples to apples thing I mean I think it's kind of a lazy comparison to be honest with you um, because they are fairly different and I mean when you look at when you look at the actual numbers that are being lobbed up here I mean slack is guiding for 32% revenue growth for the third quarter 38% at the midpoint for the year um, I mean, you compare that to what Zoom has been doing, and obviously they're on two different planets. And I think that that comparison probably is what takes a little bit of the wind out of out of the the sales uh, for for Slack in the market, at least in the near term. So I think the key for them really is it's gonna it's gonna be they need to figure out how to become something more. I mean, right? It's still very much the same Slack that we've been using at work for the last three plus years, right? And if anything, I mean, it's gotten I, I, it's gotten more cluttered. It's it's difficult to find things. They need to work on that user experience to some degree. Because, I mean, we've talked about that whole Microsoft Teams and Slack aren't competitors. I mean, okay, and, and yeah, the sun's not hot, whatever. I mean, if that's the game we're playing. But, I mean, clearly Microsoft Teams and Slack are competitors. I mean, Microsoft Teams and Zoom are competitors to an extent as well. Um, and, and so, the thing about Microsoft Teams is it combines all of that, right? You've got the chat, you've got the video, and it integrates all uh, with, with the, you know, the Microsoft operating system that so many people are, are working with around the world. And, and, and so that's going to be something they have to overcome. Um, it, it, and so, yeah, I, I think that while those comparisons aren't really an apples to apples thing, I think it also exploits uh, the challenges that Slack faces because right now they still don't seem to um, be innovating or evolving to become something more. Whereas you can look at those other businesses and think, you know what, I can see all of these different avenues where they could go. And Slack, I'm not necessarily seeing those same avenues. I think. They're trying to work with that Slack Connect product, and maybe there's some potential there as it connects out, you know, businesses with other outside entities. Um, but if that's going to be effective, they really need to do they really need to do more work on the interface side uh, to, to make it as useful as possible. Here's what Lululemon Athletica did in the second quarter: profits and revenue came in higher than expected. Digital sales were up 155 <laughs> percent. I guess that wasn't good enough for Wall Street. <laughs> Shares down nine, ten percent. This this seems a little unreasonable to me. This seemed like uh, like just such a rock solid quarter for Lululemon. I mean, it was a good quarter. There's no doubt about it. And and really, I mean, hats off to the team that has been been guiding this company forward over the past several years. Because I mean. Lululemon is that's a forty-five billion dollar company now, man. I mean, that that when you look at where they were just a few years back, I mean, 
that, that that's a tremendous turnaround. And so you look at something like Under Armour and, and you look at Lululemon. We, had, we were comparing those all along the way here, two very mercurial leaders. Um, one transition seems to have worked out very well. The other one obviously has not. And, and so maybe there's some lessons for Under Armour to take there. So I, I, I think, you know, the selling... The market's going to do what the market's going to do, but but you know Lululemon is is performing very well, and the stock is is being given a nice multiple today, even even with the the selling today. Um, I mean, to your point, <laughs> to your point there, the the one hundred the one hundred fifty seven percent direct to consumer net revenue is that that growth is just astounding. I mean, it makes sense, but it's still astounding, and and you know it really does show that. Um, they were prepared to a degree, at least, to be able to deal with uh, a very quickly changing retail space. Uh, I, they they did take a, a pretty big hit on the cost side. Operating margin uh, fell uh, five more than five percentage points, um, and there are a lot of costs sort of uh, figuring out how to how to adjust the business a little bit. But but all in all, I mean, it is a business that continues to perform well. They have a strong brand. Um, yeah, in, they've identified their customer base, be it perhaps a niche one to a degree, but they've even done a good job of, of extending beyond that core audience into casual attire and, and, and uh, crossing that stereotypical uh, you know, uh, clothing for women, and, and, and you know, offering more options for men as well. So they've done a very good job, I think, of of, of growing the business and pursuing new avenues of growth. And and uh, today's market reaction, notwithstanding, a very good quarter of business is obviously doing a lot of things well, and and I suspect that'll continue. I like what CEO Calvin McDonald is doing in terms of the way he is basically saying we're cautiously optimistic. <laughs> as we are gearing up for the holidays. But no, we are not going to give any sort of formal guidance. Yeah. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. They made the acquisition of Mirror, so the, Lululemon's foray into the essentially the, the equipment space. Um, and, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what those numbers are like to the extent that they can sell that product um, it's not going to be available in a lot of locations uh, before the end of 2020, um, but I think that's one thing to watch. And you know, to your point about the stock, it's 20% lower than it was a week ago. I mean, this is one of those. Like, I, I get what you're saying about the rich multiple, but it's at a 20% discount from where it was a week ago for for people who are thinking, yeah, I, I feel I feel like this is one I want to own a few shares of. Um, it's on sale right now. I, yeah, I don't think this is. I don't think that's a dip that is indicative of a business that's performing poorly. I think, you know, that's that's a bit of a knee jerk reaction, perhaps some profit taking. I'm glad you brought up the mirror acquisition. I mean, I think that's a really clever um, way for them to to extend beyond just apparel. Uh, you have a lot of different ways you could even go with that. I mean, it, it, if you think beyond just exercise, I mean, imagine incorporating immersive uh, technology, right? Im- imagine incorporating some augmented reality or, or or something like that into that mirror to allow people to actually shop from home, trying things on in that mirror. It, it, there are really a lot of possibilities there, and, and I thought that that acquisition I thought was really clever, very complementary to that business, and I think that one actually worked out pretty well. Shares of Casey's General Stores are flat at the moment, but this morning they hit an all-time high after Casey's latest uh, first quarter results. Uh, here's another one: digital revenue up 162 <laughs> percent. 
I was going to say, man, we live in an age now where you can have 7-Eleven delivered and Casey's is killing it on the digital revenue front. I mean, it's truly a new paradigm, Chris. Like, it's a different world now, isn't it? Um, you know, this, this was another business that really performed well for the quarter. Um, earnings per share of $3.24 compared to $2.31 from a year ago. I, I thought it was, it was fascinating to see how they were able to exercise uh, some profitability on the fuel front while they actually delivered fewer gallons. Gross profit uh, actually grew 39% thanks to uh, you know some some smart management and pricing uh, there on the fuel front and and then when you look at the actual stores themselves the stores maybe they didn't perform so well understandable I mean to a degree but digital revenue really uh, took up some of the slack there um, grew 162 percent for the quarter Casey's rewards customers now they have two and a half million plus members up 25 percent just from april of this year and i mean listen chris you want to talk about the strong drivers for the performance this quarter beer and pizza <laughs> you know what i'm having for dinner tonight <laughs> i mean that just you want to talk about the idea i saw that in the call i was like man it, it, and again that makes sense you know i mean we've seen i mean a lot of people are eating on the go and people are drinking a little bit more beer and wine and spirits these days uh, so it's nice to see that they can make their money a few different ways and, and so uh yeah, wow, this is this is a really it, it's really performing very impressively give, given everything that's been going on. And even when you look at their top line, their top lines come down a little bit, but, but really uh, the market is is excited because they think uh, again, a big a big store presence out there, clearly very efficient and effective operators. They know what they do and they do it well. It'll be interesting to watch that uh, rewards program number over the next 1 to 2 years because yeah. Just anecdotally, the, you know, we hear from from members and listeners in the Midwest who are such big fans of this business. Uh, to have two and a half million rewards members, it seems like that's a number that has some room to run if they decide that's a priority and they really want to push that program, which if they're doing it right, yeah, they would want to. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean, you see the value in that loyalty club, the reward style membership. And, and um, I mean, Starbucks has always been one that's always felt like they probably could do a little bit better than they're doing. But still, I mean, that's been a strong lever for them. Chipotle is, is really benefiting from growing that program out. Panera always uh, had a very strong presence there. It's just a really nice way. Alta, another good one. It's just a really nice way to keep your keep your customers engaged know what your customers like and in this age of data now i mean it's it's easier than ever for them to parse through all that data and really personalize the experience and reach out uh to, to those two and a half million plus loyal loyal customers and i i bet that next year at this time we'll be talking about a lot more than just two and a half million uh, real quick before we go um you had mentioned on Industry Focus, and for those unfamiliar, uh, Jason is one of the hosts <laughs> of our Industry Focus podcast. Every Monday, he's hosting uh, Banking and Financials with uh, with Matt Frankel. Uh, so check it out for crying out loud! But only if you're interested in you know learning more about <laughs> investing in stocks and 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 doing well in the market. But anyway, um, so you had mentioned on Industry Focus, um, you were going to be doing a little shopping in the market sure. of stocks. Uh, we have trading guidelines and restrictions at The Motley Fool. So, I, I know that there is uh, a point in time on either side of buying or selling a stock where you or me or anyone, for that matter, can 
publicly talk about that. Is is the window clear? Is that something you can share at this point? Yeah, the window is officially clear. I did, Matt and I spoke about it on Monday's show, and it wasn't yesterday, or not not this past Monday's show, but the, the before the holiday weekend. So we've had uh, plenty of time pass by, but we talked about two stocks that we were going to buy. Uh, Matt had talked about Lemonade, and uh, my company was Bill.com. It's one that I've talked about before, I think, on Motley Fool Money and on, on Market Foolery, as, as well as Industry Focus. But um, they're ultimately, their aim, they're, they're trying to help businesses make paper-based manual tra- transactions just obsolete, right? I mean, we talk about that war on cash, and this really is kind of a, it's an extension beyond the consumer and really uh, to a business that's trying to help other businesses, small and medium-sized businesses. Um, and, and so, it's a SaaS business where they are able to, to make money from their customers on a monthly subscription which is nice. Uh, they benefit also from the number of transactions conducted through its platform. Um, at the end of the most recent quarter here, they had more than 98,000 customers using the platform, which was up 28% from a year ago. They uh, processed $25.4 billion in total payments through their platform with over 2.5 million network members. Okay, So, not customers, but, but members of that network that can accept payments. Uh, from customers in that network. And so, that all kind of goes back to uh, the advantage, the competitive advantage the company's trying to build this network effect where, uh, you know, customers connect with others to pay and be paid. And and that frees them of of then having to constantly solicit or share bank bank account information and routing numbers. You know, once you get in a system like that, then you can just click send. It's it's a heck of a lot easier. And and that's what Bill.com is building out. Um, it, just a neat business. I mean, the risk right now with a business like this is is the valuation, no question. Uh, but for me, it it's a really neat one. Uh, it's one that I knew I wanted to own after I dug into it. And I really uh, was just waiting for the right time to open a starter position. And so that's what I did. It was bill.com, ticker B I L L. And I'm very happy to say, Chris, that I am just dead even on this investment right now. So it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's working out well so far. <laughs> Way to take the long-term view. <laughs> yeah, hey, listen, I mean, every every day counts, right? Every day counts. Absolutely. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.